Welcome to It Was All Because of a Curly Straw. I'm your co-host. I go by many names, but you may call me Yoali. Now I shall let my fellow co-hosts present themselves. You go ahead. Uh, hi, I am the other co-host, uh, Kage Bros, or you can just call me Kage. Uh, and yeah, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, uh, today we are talking about Megatron Origin number one and two. Uh, so what were your thoughts? Essentially, we definitely go off to a super rocky start. <laughs> as, as we, like, you know, see everything that's going on and <clears throat> see the immediate, like, separation between the working class and the upper class. Which, honestly, like, definitely can be related to in real life stuff. Uh, which is, like really heavy throughout the first issue specifically and yeah like yeah go on go on <laughs> i think um using the autobot symbol as the symbol of the oppressors is like definitely an interesting thing and i don't get why they like continued to use that in a sense of like when Optimus created the Autobots and everything, and they just took that symbol. Yeah, that, like, confuses me, too. Like, I'm pr I'm sure that there's, like, a reason, like, later in the comics. I'm not sure, because uh, this is my first time reading Phase 1. Uh, but, like, there's probably, like, something that talks about it. But if there is, I don't know. Yeah, because I know this is also, like... From the shot, not shadow play, yeah, shadow play arc, when Orion went into the Senate, but he reclaimed the word Autobot um, for autonomous and everything like that. But I don't think the symbol essentially went along with that. I think it was more just like this symbol already exists, which is still so weird to me because I'm like, y'all, they they blatantly just show the Autobot symbol within issue one of Megatron Origin of being like the evil like senate and stuff like that and like committing literally police brutality and i'm just like how are we supposed to see anything like good come out of this especially when this is like the first image that you see that is related to the <laughs> autobot symbol yeah like i feel like um okay so it's it comes up later in the issue uh there's a panel where a few future Autobots are there. Like, I think it's Hound and Jazz. Um, yeah. And, like, a lot of Autobots, at least in the comics, uh, before the war, were, like, um, more upper class. Now. And, like, uh, what are they called? Police? Yeah. I think yeah, like enforcers. 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 Yeah. Like, they were enforcers and more upper class. They were the Autobots. And then the Decepticons, uh, we've seen that they were, like, lower class. Like, Megatron was a minor, uh, and he was seen as, like, disposable. Um, and, like, you can kind of, like, okay. Like, I get that the Autobots are the good ones, but um, they're, like, technically the oppressors. Yeah. I think, like, w throughout those, like, issues as well, they really, really try to paint Megatron in this light of, like, being incredibly violent and being just a murderer. But, he, like, 
it's it, it's so weird because he he's obviously like someone who is a victim of a corrupt society and he has been forced into a hand where he has to fight to survive but it's so it's like they really really dive into him trying to be like the bad guy of everything with how often he's just so willing to commit murder and just like spiral further down and down even though like i feel like it's only been like essentially a few weeks that this has happened or where this originated yeah um like i do have like some notes about like uh some specific stuff that happened like uh he called decimus senator decimus calls them brothers like he calls the miners brothers and then when just earlier he was calling them scum mm-hmm. like he was calling them dirty like this place is pitiful degenerate scum that kind of stuff and he's like and then he goes and calls them oh brothers why are you doing this uh we've literally done nothing wrong ever <laughs> it's like <laughs> dude you, you're literally like you're literally oppressing them why mm-hmm. would you think they wouldn't they, they wouldn't be okay with this they would yeah. be okay with this it's like the moment that once the people starts fighting back they're just like oh well you know we we're all we're all in this together, right? And then there's like that that just that fear of like, oh, maybe something actually is going to go down and I have to fix my vocabulary even though I don't truly believe in it, which is cuz like he's obviously calling them disposable and everything behind their back and everything and he's like, "Oh, this it's disgusting to be here." And then immediately turns around and does that and it's just like, "Yeah, this isn't going to go well for you, dude, especially since you're like taking away their jobs this came out over a decade ago like i don't remember which year exactly like 2005 2006 uh and like this stuff still feels relevant because our world is messed up (laughs) um it says it was published in 2007 okay 2007 yes yeah like like, like phase one started in 2005 um but like uh, the order is more like um, like a lot of the comics were not uh, like order in like exactly the order of the timeline. So, you know, mm-hmm. some of these are like technically flashbacks. Yeah, I think it's cool that we at least got an origin story for Megatron. I honestly wish uh, and this is sidetracking, but I wish we had more of a backstory of his life before everything went down and before he essentially became the leader of the decepticons like is it just established that he was just you know going through you know being um oppressed in a situation where he uh doesn't necessarily want to be a minor there's you know the introduction of terminus like a lot later within idw yeah and more than being, the eye yeah that ended up being like his mentor and everything so I, i'm assuming it's just because like this character terminus didn't exist yet that it didn't provide like enough backstory for megatron to more flesh him out to be like a more human character that people could relate to because i think you can people everyone can relate to him like having to work in harsh conditions uh in order to have a well-being but and then it just goes down from there once he kills someone and you're just like huh 
And there's like that immediate disconnect, I feel. Yeah, I think it's the comics did their best, like maybe not their best, but they tried. <laughs> I don't think that they can make uh, the Transformers morally gray uh, because uh, it like it's hard because if you make them morally gray, you have to like show more positive sides of the Decepticons. And I think early on they were very like black and white. Yes. Um, like, uh, like it's super, super black and white. Like Megatron is like this warlord that has destroyed like many, like countless lives and the ter- and cyber formed many planets because he hates organics and like that kind of stuff. Like he's pretty ruthless and mm-hmm. you can't, uh, make, uh, make it like grayer. You can't make it gray unless you like try to simp you try to like make megatron s- more sympathetic which they tried in uh, more than meets the eye Definitely. uh but after like all the shit that uh, megatron did in like phase 1 like it's hard and also all of, like the kind of uh nazi uh references yeah it's not it's not good yeah no i think there's like a bunch of there's a lot of things or aspects that are a little bit too much of an allegory to in real life situations that ends up being like a little bit like it ends up being bad and you're just kind of like not necessarily too keen on having to relate these certain aspects to like a a side or anything because i think there's the other portion of like uh, there's a lot of people you know within this fandom who are sympathetic to the decepticons especially within the idw portion of it all because you can tell that everyone that was in the decepticons was in the lower class and in most cases like real life right now a lot of people are in like middle class lower class like if you're in the upper class or like it's it's called the top one percent for a reason so it's like super hard to like be able to especially relate to the autobots in this case because as they're introduced in here they're just they're working for Sentinel Prime, which who is a scumbag. <laughs> and yet, yeah, I, I hate him so much. <laughs> and yet you're supposed to see him as like this hero or this person who keeps the peace when like that's the total opposite is shown in like more than meets the eye, especially during the Shadowplay arc. And so you're just like, yeah. how am I supposed to like like this side of the Autobots when you like relating back to like being the symbol of the oppressor and then you know trying to do good or keep peace within this when it's like you guys are also not helping the people who need the most help i believe yeah it's going back to like the morally gray stuff you can't do it like it's hard um i also think that a lot of uh the early writers were like uh white cishet men (laughs) um (laughs) and like like they could be like um like middle class lower class but uh, at the same time they still have like a sort of privilege um and it's uh, <laughs> i don't know where i'm going this with but whatever yeah no i think that's like one of the downfalls of transformers cuz like okay science fiction itself has a very big potential of being progressive and introducing concepts that should help 
better um, society or create an ideal future for society. That's why Star Trek is so popular and everything, because it has subverted expectations and has introduced like diverse ways or like diverse characters into a, a piece of media that can be seen by everyone. And I think Transformers has the potential to do that. But if you have writers who aren't like um, people of color or LGBT, then it's like really, really hard to hit on those like diverse points or like those sci-fi aspects because I think you really need that different like perspective in order to be able to create a good story out of it. Yeah, I know like a little bit of like the Star Trek thing, like it's like it's revolutionary because it had like the first uh, interracial kiss and that kind of stuff. Um, like women in uh, like places of power like it was very subversive and like transformers could be that but it's very much a um it's not now but like earlier it was very much like it's for it's for little cishet boys and like <laughs> little boys don't want to see girls ew little little boys don't want to see don't want to see like gay stuff that's gross ew <laughs> Which is so funny, because, like, if you introduce, like, a majority masculine society, like, how is there, how is there no gay shit? <laughs> like, yeah, how, how, how are they not gay? Like, okay, um, I did see this um, in page 18. There is a sign with a very obvious lady in a sexy pose, um, <laughs> which, like, it, like... <laughs> It, it's like it's very funny because of what um simon Furman like established in the comics that like oh it's an all-male society and then he did like that transphobic shit with rc um yeah. like oh she's the only woman Ooh. um but like right there page 18 at bottom of the page there's yep a very obvious lady like her boobs uh, and she's like in a sexy pose and it looks like she has pigtails yeah that looks like robot hair which i i never understand in regards to designs yeah i, I, I bad yeah like designs like mm, i don't know like facial hair like uh and like helmets that make it look like hair uh for like cybertronians i don't get it i think it's funny <laughs> yeah it's funny <laughs> like the facial hair is always funny like decimus has like uh uh fuck what's it what's uh the word in english mustache mustache yeah he has a mustache uh and then minimus and then later um in the comics minimus has a mustache dominus <laughs> has a mustache yep. i just think that ro robot facial hair is so funny uh, what do they call? What does Minimus call it? Facial insignia? Does he call it that? I'm... <laughs> yeah, I think he calls it facial insignia. I find that so that's funny. So, that is very funny. <laughs> oh my god! I think I do want to mention, especially within um, the first issue, is the world building aspect. Uh, I feel like there's a lot that you know, there's a lot of potential of world building that can happen, especially with um, page eighteen. Like, I think that's very cool that. You can see that Cybertron is layered. It definitely has like, it has like those cyberpunk esque vibes, you know. Yeah. When you're looking at it, and it's interesting to see that this is also Kaon, which is 
apparently the worst place on Cybertron, but it does not look awful. It just looks like a normal city to me. Yeah, like, I think... Um, why was K on the worst place? I think it's just because of the underground gladiator ring, maybe? Like, uh, yeah, probably. Maybe because of, the, uh, of, like, the um, lower class people, like, gross, poor people! <laughs> oh, no. I hope that people know that I'm joking. I'm a poor person. I'm joking. <laughs> yeah, but like, like, yeah, ew, poor people. Like, that's an undesirable city. It's like the worst place on Cybertron. Uh, it's not like Iacon. Like, excuse me, like, whatever. Mm -hmm. Also, just uh, on page 19, is that a, a Cream Zeke reference? I is think that, so, yeah, it it's Cream Zeke. There's a lot of, like, uh, little Kremzy references uh, throughout the comics. Uh, there's this one, and in the, without, like, saying too many spoilers, the time travel arc in More, More Than Meets the Eye, um, mm -hmm. that, like, one of the characters has a juice box, basically, that has Kremzy oh. on it. Okay, so I'm looking at the TFWK, and it says it is K-Juice. That's what the, the Kremzy... A uh, little billboard is yeah, uh, cages. <laughs> it's Cage. so funny, like like a big robot holding a juice box. <laughs> I love that so much. It's very cute. <laughs> it's it's adorable. I love it. And at the very end of the issue, we see the bitch Sentinel uh, Prime and yep. Prowl, a little panel of prowl like i wrote in my notes omg prowl my sweet bitch man <laughs> man he does not seem as insufferable in here at least for the time being he just yeah, gets worse not... he only goes downhill from here yeah already a rough start working for sentinel kind of funny oh <laughs> uh, yeah so the issue ends uh it appears that De that megan has kidnapped decimus with the help of like the prisoners and I didn't mention it before, but um, Rumble and Frenzy are here, my sons. Yes, which yes. is very cool. I believe I love them uh, so much. Rumble and Frenzy like exist for Soundwave, which is so interesting to me because I feel like Soundwave is just vital, or like the predecessor for Rumble and Frenzy. So just seeing Rumble and Frenzy like just walking beside Megatron is honestly yeah, cool. like it's. <laughs> Like, the fandom likes to see um, Soundwave's cassettes as, like, his children. And, like, they're actual, like, grown-ass people. They're, they're, like, adults. But we call them, uh, like, his, like, teenage sons. At least that's <laughs> how I see them. That's how I see it, too. Yeah, they're, like, teenagers. And, like, in some comics, they're, like, treated more as, like, little kids. And I love that, too. It's so funny. I do think, like, that was supposed to be the, what's it? At least, like, the pre-concept of, like, mentors and mentees. Because I definitely think that if mentors and mentees, like, existed in the IDW1 phase, it definitely probably would have been a little bit more different in regards to, like, how some certain relationships were seen. Yeah, like, when they're, like... In IDW one, when they're like freshly made, they're already kind of like they already have basically adult minds. Yeah. Um. Uh, unlike IDW two, where they are basically children. Mm -hmm. 
when they are first made, like gauge, um, gauge, gauge, gauge. Okay, like gauge or rubble. Like they're children. They're they're yeah. small and they're just they're babies. Yeah, they're, they're so obviously kids <laughs> that need. Yeah, hair. like um, I read the My Little Pony Transformers crossover, and there was this. There's this like panel. It's so cute. Like I'm I'm trying not to like be very loud when I get excited. I get very loud. Um <laughs> uh, there's this panel where um Gage and Rubble are like speeding uh towards to save Greenlight RC and Scootaloo's aunts. Mm-hmm. Uh and it's like uh and then like one of them says children will be children like um anywhere and it's adorable they like actually called them children oh that is very cute i do like this is just idw talk now but i do like the idea of them at least canonically like introducing the cybertron equivalent of kids because i think that like also not necessarily humanizes them more but i think it makes them more not just like a race of robotic beings it's just more like another planet that raises and garners like love and family essentially because that shouldn't just be like a human concept i feel the first canonical uh robot child was wheelie he appears in like the first um uh the g1 movie and yeah yeah and i think he appears in idw1 as well I haven't uh, read IDW one, so I cannot confirm that. <laughs> but, but, like, I know, I, I think. Hold on, let me check TF okay, Wiki. I know Wheelie showed up in the Bavers movies. Oh, also, yeah, but we don't talk about him. <laughs> I think he does appear. Let's see. I must have imagined it. Uh, <laughs> looks like he didn't. I think Wheelie should make a comeback. I think he should. He make should. A He's just a kid. He's just he's just a little kid. Look at him. Also, I love that Wheelie's um entire wiki page is in rhyme. <laughs> nice. I love the I love the the TF wiki. It's so fun. So moving on to the second issue, it starts off with Megan, I like Gladiator Megan, and it's amazing. He's yep. killing someone. He is sure is biting and killing. Uh, kill murder violence. Yeah, it's interesting. I think. For, so first off, I do want to say, um, his weird helm pedal things are an interesting touch, and then never touched upon again. Just so funny to me. Um, it's just like he takes off his helmet, and then he's like, "I'm a flower, wee." Yeah, <laughs> which is really funny after because he does this after he kills someone, but. You know, I also think um, this introduces the concept of till all are one, but in yeah, that he is being goaded into killing someone. <laughs> yeah, it's the first instance in, in IDW one. Uh, it's very interesting. Yeah, I mean, I feel like till all are one is like it's definitely a type of thing to say after someone has died, like a condolence level, but this is more like a you have to kill this guy for our entertainment. <laughs> Which is, like, so interesting to me because it, it just shows that he's, like, 
being goaded into doing these certain things because like you can see in some panels that it looks like he shows regret or something like that or he's like he 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 doesn't like doing this at least that's what i see from it yeah but he still does he he does it for like survival is like what i'm understanding yeah the thing is like he's do he it's just a transition of going from like one thing to survive doing one thing to survive and then going to another thing to survive like he's not he is not thriving <laughs> he is still in like survival mode and it doesn't like it doesn't fix that for a while until he begins to like start essentially murdering the senate to see he if he can reform cybertron into his own like his own view or something like that yeah and like i think it's like later established that he was like a pacifist before he was thrown in jail um and i th- I-, I see this as like him in the got in like the gladiator pit he's like he's killing uh for necessity like he doesn't want to but he has to uh but aside from that he's like a total pacifist he doesn't like fighting outside of the arena because if we go back to uh the uh, um, the time travel arc and more than meets the eye. Uh, he's talking with who was it that he was talking to? It was one of his minor buddies. It might have been Terminus. I think it was Terminus. No, it wasn't Terminus. Uh, he has like a he's like a yellow and purple. Oh, I don't remember Impactor. his name. Impactor, Impactor. yeah, Impactor. Uh, he was talking with Impactor, and then like the bar fight happens, uh, and he's like hiding under the table, and he's like. <laughs> Yeah, and then he gets dragged into it, which is not ideal. Yeah, he gets arrested uh, because he was there. He didn't do anything, but he was arrested. And then he was beat up by Dirty Cop Whirl. Uh, mm. And then he's like, I love Whirl so much, but he's a war criminal. <laughs> Most characters here are war criminals, to yeah. be honest. I think it's um, like, it's not... It's not cool to see the like world being like one of those dirty cops or like one to participate in police brutality, especially in, when you're reading more than meets the eye and you're just like, what? Yeah, like I love him, but I hate that he was a dirty cop. Yeah. Uh, so he like gets beat up, and then that's how he realizes that oh, violence does solve problems, which is. Such a sad revelation, to be honest. Yeah, I feel like I would, I, I would be like, <laughs> I don't want to fight ever again. But that's just me. Yeah, I think for me, I would be too traumatized and be like, all right, well, we are never interacting with other people again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and this is the first instance of Senator Ratbat. Yeah, he's she's just seeing all of this happening, and he. He's just letting it slide by because I think um, it shows that he's betting on uh, the gladiator fights. So he knows exactly what's going on and he knows like this is the dude probably that, you know, took out or kidnapped Decimus. And he's like, yeah, whatever. Not my not my problem. Yeah, he's just like interesting, very interesting and like uh, rubbing his chin like very interesting. (laughs) 
Aren't you happy that Soundwave, like, I mean, I, I mean, I say this sarcastically, aren't you happy that's, uh, that Soundwave, like, steals his body and turns him into a cassette? <laughs> oh, no. Like, what are you I doing, know exactly Soundwave? where this dude is going. I know exactly <laughs> where this dude is going, oh and it's not God. a good place. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, because Ratbat, it's interesting to see Ratbat as, like, a a person instead of, like, a cassette or anything so it's just like yeah because he originated as a cassette yeah now he's just some guy now he's like some dude like oh i'm running an entire planet with like some other dudes that damn oh also i think we get to see ravage technically in this um yeah issue but ravage does not look like a cat ravage looks really weird to me Yeah, um, also, I need to say this, there is a character named Beta Bear, and I love it so much. <laughs> his name is, his name is Beta Bear! Like, and there's also, like, a character named Clench, uh, and I wrote in my notes, uh, all the good names are taken. All the good names Like, imagine, imagine being, like, a robot and your name is Clench. <laughs> I, uh, think I would change names. Yeah. <laughs> And I have in my notes, like, I love Megan's makeup. Oh, yeah, his makeup like, in this is actually so cool. Yeah, it's so cool. I love it so much. I definitely think, like, because have you seen the one post on Tumblr in regards to, like, face official uh, marking symbolism and everything? Uh, no, but I have, like, heard references of, like, this, like, there's symbolism in it. I just don't know it. Yeah, I was just curious because like this is obviously from 2007 so it probably only was more for aesthetic purposes in the beginning but i just think like the whole facial makeup thing and the whole symbolism thing is like very interesting because uh i think the technically the curls or whatever is supposed to mean um like mourning someone but this i his things are just straight down which could be like interpreted in a certain way, but obviously it's just for aesthetic purposes in this case. Because yeah, it's like, it was like, just make it look cool. And then that's it. Just, just make it look cool. It's just like, it's not makeup, it's war paint. <laughs> he's, a, then, he's a straight man. He has war paint. Yeah. And then after we introduce like Windblade and the fucking city speakers and everything, it's just like, oh, well, this is different now. Also, page 12, panel 3, I see Hound, Jazz, and I think in the back is Whirl, because uh, that robot looks blue, he has a Parada, he has, like, the big chest. I think it's Whirl. What is that one, dude? Flywheels? I think? Wasn't Flywheels a Decepticon? That is a good question. Uh, Transform. Flywheels is... Oh, yeah, never mind. He is a... He was part of Scorpinox. Yes. There's like one character that was like a helicopter character that looks like that, but I don't I don't think it's Whirl. Because um, a lot of people have drawn Whirl's um pre Emperor body before and it looks different. No no oh, no, wait, no, I don't mean oh, like no. I see. I mean like I see him. like in the back, like there's a yeah. guy with Imperata. Oh I see, I see. I think that would be Whirl. <gasps> I think the guy that's screaming is um oh, what was his name? He appears in Rescue Bots. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, no, I see World this time. I was looking at a different character. That was my bad. Yeah, that's him. Um, yeah. Blades! Okay, I think 
the oh, guy Blade. screaming is Blades. Um, I could be wrong though. I don't mm-hmm. know every single robot. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, no, that could be Whirl. So this, like, welcome to this Transformers podcast where I don't know every single robot. <laughs> <laughs> Me neither. We we misidentify some guys sometimes. It's and fine. there are some dudes that look similar. It's just interesting to see like all these recognizable TFs at least that like are part of Sentinel's operation and everything, and you're just like, mm, I don't feel good about seeing these guys in here. Like I feel like I feel bad liking these characters because they're cops, and I don't like cops. <laughs> yeah. It's just awkward. I'm just like, why is... Jazz is in here, but does he get much of, like, any character development and or cameos and stuff later? Like, is he a uh, major character? I don't know in Megatron Origin. Uh, I only well, read the first two Origin. issues. Yeah, not he in Megatron does... Origin. Yeah, he does appear, like, later, and he does get established, like... He does get like more backstory in uh, XRID, I think. Okay. Uh, like no, it was in the Optimus comics. He gets like a, a bit of like some backstory. He's like telling um, some like news people uh, about it, like what he did uh, on Cybertron during the war. I I, I think they like um, retconned this like you can see him here like that's obviously jazz like you can see his helm shape that's jazz um but like it's more retconned later that he was more that he was a musician mm-hmm. um, and not a cop <laughs> yeah like i'm a cop and a musician i have layers like an onion <laughs> I'm glad it was also, Soundwave appears. Yes. Sorry? I'm glad it was retconned, at least, for Jazz. I think he deserves better. He do- He's like, he's based on a black man, and he was voiced by a black man in the original cartoon. So, yeah, Jazz does deserve so much better than being, like, a cop. Do you want to talk about the introduction of Soundwave? Yeah, I love it. Mm-hmm. I do. Uh, the Constructicons uh, also appear, but they're yes. not important here. Soundwave is. It is cool to see the Constructicons. I do like that. He already has yeah. like, them in his arsenal, which is really cool to me. But yeah, yeah. I think we're gonna. I think I'm just gonna keep like referencing like uh, Phase Two because that's what I read first. That's mm-hmm. that's uh, that's what I read first. Like it's so funny seeing the Constructicons like right now. And then later in phase two, they're like so smitten for Prowl. <laughs> it's um, really funny. It is very funny. But here we have my son, Soundwave. Yeah. Soundwave being introduced is like really fun here because it definitely like showcases his outlier power. Which yeah. is like not even mentioned at least dialogue wise of like oh you're an outlier because like it's just more taken as normal which is really interesting to me because i'm assuming they retconned it later to be like oh outliers are like a thing that is hard to find and if you're an outlier then like it's very it's a hard it's a hard time for you and everything yeah 
there's like a few bots that are like established as having like quote unquote superpowers, uh, like outlier abilities, Soundwave, Mirage. Um, I'm blanking on the others. It's okay. I got Wind Charger. Yeah. Yeah. Wind Charger, Skids, Skywarp, Thundercracker, Trailbreaker, and Damus. A glitch Ooh. slash tarn. Damus? Mm. Uh, Damus is glitch slash tarn. Oh, yeah. Um, Damus. Yeah. yeah. I have the. I, w- I, always pronounced, I always pronounced his name as Damus. I say Damus, but I'm not. I'm really not too sure. It could be Damus, but yeah. <laughs> it could be Damus. It could be Damus. It could be Damus. 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 <laughs> and Soundwave meets. Rumble and Frenzy, but not officially. His future sons. Yeah. <laughs> but we already see that he has um, Laser Beak and Ravage in his arsenal, though. So they've yeah, been with um, him pre, uh, pre-Megatron Origin. Yeah, uh, there's an origin of that in Phase 2, uh, where Soundwave couldn't control his abilities. Uh, he was just like... He was suffering in the slums. He was like, there's too many things going on at once. Too many people thinking, help. Oh my God, I'm dying. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ravage, Laserbeak, and Buzzsaw find him. And they're like, hey, dude, you good? Want, want <laughs> us to help you? Um, it's been a while since I read it, so I don't remember exactly how it went. But it was basically uh, Ravage... Uh, Ravage, uh, Laserbeak, and Buzzsaw finding Soundwave. Like he's huddled on the ground and he's like suffering because there's basically he was um, having uh, what's it called? I always forget what it's called. Um, like we're not we're not sensory overload. He was basically having yeah. sensory overload. Yeah, I've ended up like relating Soundwaves at least outlier powers especially with that to schizophrenia because that definitely like exhibits um what the heck is it called symptoms Symptoms. okay he has symptoms of what i think would be schizophrenia but like this is you know in the more outlier version like it's like the transformers version of it essentially i guess is what they made it into because these are like voices that he can't deal with and he is having essentially a um an attack that yeah is 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 like making him unable to function and everything and so at least we get to see uh ravage and Bussa and laser Beak to be the people who ground him or like help him uh stay out of those like attacks and everything yeah, we had it wrong all along. Ravage was the dad. <laughs> <laughs> I saw a joke like that, uh, like a really long time ago when that comic first came out. Mm-hmm. And like, the- <laughs> it was so funny. Ravage have, is like, the dad. <laughs> I have like a personal um, headcanon that those, they're essentially Sunwaves like therapy animals or like service yeah. animals. Like, yeah, service animals. Would- help out oh yeah that's a nice headcanon i like it yeah <laughs> so it is nice to see soundwave though i do like i do like soundwave a lot and at least he is able to control his powers now and he's using them um 
to further like ob- an obvious agenda that he has because he wants to help Megatron out. Yeah. Also, uh, Megatron gets called a psychopath, and Meg- Megatron is not gonna take this ableist language lightly. <laughs> like it's probably not it, but that's how I like to see it. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Like Megatron is gonna stop right, stop you right there, because he's not gonna deal with your ableist bullshit. Yeah, I'm really liking uh, this uh, this start of the comic. Like, technically not the start of IDW one, but like yeah. the start of the timeline. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we definitely see that. Like, Megatron already is the person who is established to like do a lot of damage. Like he. He, it, the cards are like on the table and then you're just like wow you do not want to piss this guy off yeah he's uh very strong like i'm very interested to see how it's because i know that it gets like a little bit retconned uh like about his writings because mm-hmm. i think that's this thing that's established a little bit later um in a, a series a run that James Roberts wrote. I think that's when it's first established that he was like an author or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't remember the name of it though. It's in phase one. I just don't remember the name of the comic. Yeah, I will not be able to help out with that. <laughs> yeah, but... uh, yeah, it's fine. We'll get to it when we get to it. Yeah, we'll get to it. I mean, this is at least like a good way to make me start reading the comics because um, I've been meaning to. Uh, at the very beginning to get like all the context and everything because I tried reading more than meets the eye first and then I had to stop because I was like there's way too much like context here that I'm missing so I want to start from the beginning otherwise it will bother me <laughs> so this is like good yeah. for me I tried reading phase one back when I was like 13 I bought um on comiXology I bought uh the first couple issues of all hail Megatron. Uh, And I bought a few spotlights, uh, but I didn't know how to read comics back then. I didn't know like there was an order. So I just like, I chose a series and then I started with the first one and then I, I, and then I just stopped reading. Mm -hmm. And then when I was 14, I started reading more than meets the eye and I was like, Ooh, I like this gay robots (laughs) in space. Woo. I think if the premise is gay robots in space, you're gonna want to read it. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> I was I was very thirsty for like um, gay stuff because I was a baby gay, um, mm-hmm. and I started reading close when like, um, I read the first issue of More Than Meets the Eye back when like it first came out. And then I didn't read it again for like uh, for like several years, and then when I picked it up again, uh, it was in like its last few issues of More Than Meets the Eye, and about to start Lost Light. Uh, so I had like a lot of comics to get through. Yeah. Um, but that's when it was recommended to me. Like, hey, this stuff is gay, and I was like, oh my god, I'm gonna read it. God damn. <laughs> Nice. I, uh, for my case, 
I got into Transformers in 2019, so I am super duper late in regards to joining the fandom. Uh, <laughs> so I am so behind on every piece of content that is out there, but at least that means I just have a lot of stuff to watch and not necessarily, I don't have to wait for things, luckily. Uh, the sad thing is, though, that I missed the entire wave of like idw and everything and people um getting into it and everything and all that uh which is unfortunate but you know there's you missed the fandom hype yeah i missed the fandom hype but uh there are still people who are into it so that's pretty cool at least (laughs) yeah we're in the transformers server uh with a lot of other transformers people hell yeah yep (laughs) <laughs> I'm just glad that I'm just glad that there's still people talking about it because I'm in servers where they're like super dead, and I'm like, no, I want to talk about this, but no one's talking. <laughs> yeah, definitely feel that. Which is it's just nice and funny because like even though I haven't read IDW at all, it has definitely got me into making wanting to make my own continuity, and I'm just like, maybe this is how things should have been done or something along the line, you know. Yeah, we're going to get into a lot of things while reading this, because uh, it doesn't get uh, gay until phase two, <laughs> and even then you still have to wait a little bit, Yeah. because um, I mostly remember More Than Meets the Eye, because I read, I only read uh, XRID uh, to, like, get, like, a little bit of context of what was happening on Cybertron, but I most, but I mostly read more than meets the eye. I read most more than meets the eye like twice, um, so I remember that a little bit more. Um, from what I remember, like the first gay stuff starts happening uh, around issue fifteen, sixteen, which is a little sad. Um, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna spoil it though. Fair maybe enough, you know what it is. Maybe you know what it is. Maybe you don't. But I'm not mm-hmm. going to spoil it un- uh, unintentionally. Mm-hmm. Completely understandable. I do wish that we could have essentially headed into the more the more gay portions of Transformers earlier. But unfortunately, that was not the uh, the not the climate uh, back then. So yeah, Simon Furman was still like very. Uh, involved in the comics and we all know how big of a piece of shit he is <laughs> or maybe not i should like maybe uh i should like maybe uh present some context about who simon Furman is for anyone who uh doesn't know who he is simon Furman is a writer uh he wrote comics um for g1 back in the 80s uh he and he also wrote some comics um in phase one uh he was mm, he's not the greatest man uh he's sexist he's homophobic he's transphobic um i don't know if he's racist i don't want to say that he's racist uh, uh unless he's not but usually when pe- when a person is like uh several of those things they're usually also racist um because <laughs> he's a white man and I don't trust white people. <laughs> That's a joke. That's a joke. In a video um, game. <laughs> but yeah, 
he wrote in the comics he like he was told to um include rc in the comics and he wrote it in like a very uh mocking way it was written in a way that like optimus created the first female transformer and a bunch of feminists were like why is she pink why does she look like this blah 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 and like he it was a in a very mocking way um and then in phase one of idw1 uh he wrote a few comics i don't remember exactly which ones uh but the one that i do remember that he wrote was rc spotlight and um it was written in a very transphobic way uh that uh uh i think behind the scenes they wanted to include rc uh but simon Furman in an earlier comic had established that uh, the Cybertronians are an all-male race. Uh, either that or that they don't have any gender, but they still all use he, him. Um, Just stupid. And yeah, it's stupid. Like, he only did that because he didn't want to include women because he doesn't like women. Um, and, like, I think, I think he has a wife. His poor wife. I feel bad for her. <laughs> His poor wife. <laughs> His poor wife. Um, but the way that he wrote it was that uh, there's the scientist, uh, Geoxys, that wants to introduce gender into um, into the Cybertronian race again. Because uh, apparently they had it before, but then they don't have it again. Um, they didn't have it later. I, something like that. Uh, I don't remember exactly what it was. But Geoxys wanted to introduce gender to the Cybertronians. And he was like, okay, that dude, I'm going to turn them female. Um, and basically, uh, he kidnaps RC and forces her into a sex change. Um, it's not fun. Uh, it oh. is later retconned uh, that she, it's retconned that she did want um, the, um, she did want the operation, like, quote-unquote operation, because uh, uh, I don't know if that's the word that they used, um, but it was something uh, to help her transition. Like, it was retconned that she did want it, um, but Geoxys just didn't do it right, and she went a little bit crazy. Uh, she was written in, like, a very um, transphobic way. She was very violent. Uh, she, like, lashed out. She was like, ah, I am angry. Um, but, yeah, it wasn't written in, like, the best way. Uh, thankfully, it was later retconned, um, like I said, and uh, there are more trans characters later in the comics, so that's great. And uh, the writers that uh, wrote those characters actually did talk to trans women. Um, I think specifically one trans woman, um, uh, which is like way better than what Simon Furman did. Still could have been more. Still could have like talked to, you know, not just one trans woman. Yeah, they could have. Uh, I don't remember if it was one or a couple. Um, uh, like, this is information that I've gathered over the years, so that it's not all like super fresh in my mind. Um, yeah. But they did talk to at least one trans woman. 
which is better like yeah a lot better so and better. later in the comics they do uh end up introducing more uh female characters i hate saying female characters um because i hate the word female um but like it, it's what people say so i'm just gonna say it they do end up introducing more female characters um which i think is great because i'm a big fat lesbian and i love and i love ladies <laughs> Yeah, I do think, like, with the whole, um, this is so off topic of Megatron. <laughs> Megan? It's who, fine. Who's, who's he? Um, who's Megan? Who's Megan? But, uh, I do remember, like, when RC was created, it was because the person who created her wanted his daughter to feel, like, to see representation within the Transformers and everything, and then Simon Furman took all that and messed it up, which is, like, so awful, because it's like, come on, RC was created so you know, girls won't feel alienated when liking Transformers and everything. And they have, like, a character to relate to or look at and be like, hey, that's that could be me, or something like that, right? Um, yeah. It's, and it's, like, such a sweet story, and then he just, like, puts it. his, like, grimy little hands all over it. Soiled it. Soiled it. But, yeah. It's, uh, I'm glad at least it was fixed uh, and retconned in a way that it was more positive, but I do think as a result um, first off, do your research <laughs> and if you are writing Yeah, if comic, you want to include uh, like people that aren't like you, do your research ask people Like, it's good to do your research, but it's better to ask people of like the certain thing that you want to write yeah maybe hire writers of color or lgbt writers wink wink yes uh, uh <laughs> hire minority writers please yeah idw or fucking hasbro <laughs> dm me <laughs> <laughs> like hasbro you're right here we're transformers fans please i've got ideas <laughs> Is there anything else you would like to add? No, I think uh, I think we're good. We've hit an hour, so I think uh, I think that's a good spot to stop. Yeah. Oh, I do want to add one last thing. Um, the reason, like the RC, is uh, the first uh, female uh, transformer. Um, but some people may like think, but wait, wasn't there an episode before the movie where there's like five ladies on Cybertron? Yes, that did happen, but they were created because of RC. Um, like, they were like, uh, okay, RC is going to be in the movie, uh, and then they made uh, the episode, uh, like, to test the waters, uh, and uh, it was very heteronormative, but at mm -hmm. least they had ladies there. Like, I find it so funny that... Um, they those uh those uh female characters were all girlfriends of one of the characters that went to Cybertron. <laughs> like Chromia and Ironhide, Alita One and Optimus, um mm -hmm. Moonracer and I don't remember who, um Firestar and his name is escaping me right now, uh, but a lot of people ship him with Red Alert. He's a fire truck. Damn, oh. I can't remember his name. Inferno. 
Inferno, yeah. Firestar and Inferno. And there's another one, but I don't remember who. I think Greenlight? I might be wrong. Uh, someone's gonna... Someone's gonna, like... Uh, <laughs> All I think of Greenlight is Greenlight and RC, but that's IDW2. Yeah, yeah, lesbians. I love them so much. Lesbians make me so happy. It is good to find that representation. I think there should be more lesbians in Transformers. TBH. Or just more gay ships in general. Yeah, more gay people. I want more <laughs> gay people. Like This is trans- my own agenda, but just make Optimus canonically bi, please and thank you. Thank you. Yes, Goodbye. Optimus should be bi. He's two of the color... No, he's not two of the colors of the bi flag. He's one of the colors of the bi flag. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was like colors. thinking... <laughs> yeah, only one of the colors. I was thinking, I confused red and purple in my mind, but he's not. (laughs) He painted himself purple uh, in uh, reference to his husband. Yeah, he painted himself purple in reference to his husband, Shockwave. (laughs) (laughs) We love to see it. So, uh, that's the end of the podcast. Where can they find you, Kage? You can find me on Twitter at Kage Bros. That is K-A-G-E-B-R-O-S. I post the Transformers art on there, and I also talk about my IDW3 continuity, as well as my Solo Optimus Prime uh, screenplay that I'm working on. So if you are interested in that, feel free to follow or just uh, send a message and we can talk. Yeah. Yeah. And I am Ogdit Arding on Twitter. O-G-D-I-T Arding. I post about like a lot of things. Um, my other podcast that I'm in uh, because I'm a voice actor. Uh, check that out if you want to. Yeah. If you liked All Because of a Curly Straw, make sure to let us know and leave a comment or email us, I guess, if we have an email. Someday, mayhaps. And uh, if you want us to talk about a certain thing within the IDW continuity or uh, the comics specifically, just leave a message after the tone. Beep. <laughs>